0: And hey, you give me gear, you know I am going to wear it. The OutKick store is wide open, but today, Danny Cannell joins us. You guys get all crabby with Danny Cannell, the Florida State superstar, turned analyst of college football, outspoken. He's going to join us. Our boy, Hammer Time, is going to join us. Michigan is the content gift that keeps on giving. Notice of allegations. That's big. We'll tell you what it means, as don't at me. Starts right now. Gentlemen, boys and girls, go to the Outkick store. And starting January 3rd, Outkick is going to be on Outkick, huh? That's odd. The only place to catch all of our unique, innovative, and of course unafraid shows live will be our website, Outkick.com. You'll be able to catch them on YouTube. You'll be able to catch our videos on YouTube, of course. But listen, to 2024 outkick.com/slash watch will be your one-stop shop for greatness. Go woke, go broke, the outkick motto. We live by it, we learn it, we love it, we eat it for breakfast. But Michigan is eating something else. Michigan is eating notice of allegations from the NCAA. What does that mean? Well, here's what that means. That means that despite being suspended by both the school, Michigan, and of course the Big Ten, Michigan still has to deal with the NCAA. That notice of allegations alleges one Big time, level one, non-cooperating slash misleading, i.e. lying to NCAA investigators. The one thing that you must do as an NCAA coach is you are required, you sign documents saying that you will, I don't know what happened here, I I don't know, I got to turn my mic on, that you will absolutely 1,000%, ladies and gentlemen, you will not cheat. Number one, and you sign documentation about this. You sign a note that says you know of no cheating in your program and you will be honest if they commit. Now, what does that mean? That not mean nothing. It don't mean nothing until what? Until you get caught doing something. And then schools and the NCAA will use that little piece of paper that they give you that little, you, innocuous, everybody goes in, just signs their name, but boy, oh boy, when you do something that the NCAA wants to know about, they will pick that piece of paper up and they will say, you signed this, here's the cheating, you knew about it, that means you're lying to us either in the investigation or on this piece of paper or both. That's a big time deal. Lying, no good. Lying will get Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers or to the Bears or somewhere like that. I'm just telling you, it's that big a deal. So level one, not cooperating slash lying. Level two, impermissible off campus. He went off campus during COVID to recruit. He had analysts working in practice that weren't allowed. Well, people say, well, that's not any big deal. Well, it isn't. Then why do it? Of course, it's a big deal. What do recruits want? Recruits want to see the coach. Recruits want to see the head coach. Recruits want that love, yo. I need that love. You see that clown wide receiver or uh, offensive lineman who went on Bayless's show with his shades on and his hat? They want love, baby. It's my brand. It don't matter how I play. It's how I looks, yo. Anyway. So they want the love. What is love? Well, love is me coach showing up at a workout. Love is showing up at the school. Love is showing up at the crib. Love is showing up at the grocery store when the kid's shopping. Love is love, baby. And showing up in times of COVID was deemed we cannot do this. It's COVID. We have to stay home. We have to stay restricted. We cannot go out and recruit. Well, guess what Harbaugh did? He outsmarted everybody. He went out and recruited. Well, when you go out and recruit during COVID, it's a hell of an advantage. And people think it's not a hell of an advantage, just simply don't know the recruiting landscape. Recruits want to be called. Recruits want you to see him. So anyway, he goes out and does it. Apparently, he does it four different times because there's four level twos. So they're going to have to answer to this. They have 90 days with which to answer. Now, listen to this. That is separate. This is what a mess this is. That is separate from an FBI investigation into an assistant coach hacking into other schools' computers. That is second, or separate, excuse me, separate from the sign-stealing case of Kobe Stallions, whatever the hell his name is. That is separate. So that's a whole different NCAA notice of allegations than the one that they got yesterday. This is a mess. We know this is a mess, and this is the kind of thing that will lead Harbaugh to leave Michigan Whether he wins a national championship, whether he doesn't win a national championship, having to answer for lying, another investigation. And in fact, if Michigan had any stones, they would say, Jimbo, we love you. We want to win football games, but you gots to go. You just gots to go. Period. Enough, Jim. Enough. I've never seen a coach suspended by his own school and then suspended by the Big Ten in one season. And those of you are, that are asking if I'm baked because of my eyes, the answer is I don't do that. I don't do the weed. I don't do the marriage you I don't even do gummies. But something in this room that I'm at has got my eyes going. And I'm looking at myself going, that's a really handsome man. But damn, is he on the ganja today? The answer is no ganja. No. Haven't been crying. The lovely Lee Ross Stockage, LLRD, asked me, you've been crying? What you crying about? I wasn't crying. Something in this position has got my eyes crazy, and I think it's these damn, I think it's these. And I don't want them around. Anyway, that's why you turn on this show. All right, there was a really good football player at Clemson named Terry Kincaid. Terry Kennard, excuse me. I remember Terry Kennard. He was really good. Now, he's all crabby, and this is stuff that I have a hard time. He's all crabby with Dabo Sweeney. He's crabby. He's cranky. He's cranky because Dabo Sweeney is being mean to his son. He'd be mean to me. Why is he being mean? His son, Jalen, has been targeted for, quote, abuse. I had a fantastic assistant coach named Keith Knobs, and Keith used to say, what's abuse? He was an old-school coach. He had a New York bit of a New York accent. Well, everything's abuse. What? You tell some kid to run, that's abuse. You yell at a kid, what's abuse? That's what I've always thought. Yeah, I don't want to hear about abuse, but anyway. So this guy says that his son has been planning on transferring once the Gator Bowl against Kentucky is over. And Dabo's not happy. Oh, shut up, Terry Kennard. He shouldn't be happy. Like, I don't give a damn about the transfer portal. I don't give a damn about kids' rights. You sign up to play, you play. If you want to leave after, you leave after. He made Jaden's last two practices the worst experience of, of the entirety of the time he was there. He belittled Jaden, insulted him, called him names. This two-day public onslaught went far beyond anything resembling any kind of appropriate coach to athlete exchange coaches can use tough tactics when trying to get the best out of player this was not that it became obviously personal and it was obviously overkill yeah and i guarantee i haven't even read the second part of this but i know what's coming when you coach for a long time you know what's coming and what's coming is this well the other players saw it and they were telling Jaden. I guarantee you, I have not read this, but I promise you that's in here. All right, let's go to the next. Here it is. There it is, right from the start. Other teammates that witnessed this tried to encourage Jaden. It's what they parents always do. Parents always do this. Other teammates saw it too, and they were telling Jaden, maybe Jaden just pain in the ass, and maybe Jaden just trying to recruit others. To be a pain in the ass with him. Because I got to tell you, I don't know a single coach, not one, not ever, including Bob Knight, that didn't want to win and didn't treat players the way they deserved to be treated, but not Jaden. Other teammates, I knew it, that witnessed this tried to encourage Jaden by telling him to keep his head up. Many of them, including Jaden, were puzzled as to why he re- was receiving this type of attention now. It was more attention that Jaden had received from Sweeney the entire... Oh, yeah. Oh, here I I should have predicted this one, too, the entire time that he had been there. If Sweeney's desire was for Jaden to go ahead and move on without finishing out with the bowl game, then he should have said so. Yeah, well, whatever. See, I don't get all bent out of shape about this. I don't get all... Parents are parents. I guarantee you there's two things that are going to happen here. One, the parent's going to be full of crap. Two... The media is going to pick up on it and side with the parent because Dabo Sweeney has lost that iconic, don't touch me. I'm holier than thou thing. And he's now able to be criticized. Look, Jaden, get your ass out of there. Go somewhere where you're appreciated. Go somewhere where the coach will always talk to you. Go somewhere where the coach won't be mean to you. Go somewhere where your daddy can be happy. See, I got no patience for this. I've got none because I've seen this a million times. You all are just seeing it. When you coach as long as I have, and you were the kind of coach that I was, where you were tough on kids and you played for a coach that was tough on kids and you assistant coach that was a coach that was tough on kids, you've seen this 8,000 times. Maybe Dabbo Sweeney went overboard. But I guarantee you little Jaden here isn't blameless in this. I guarantee you little Jaden isn't the angel that old daddy thinks that he is. Honest to God, coaches are the easiest target, coaches and teachers. He be mean to me. That's what my daughter used to say. Oh, he be mean to me. That's what we always used to say about players. He be mean to me. Coach be mean to me. He mean to me. Oh, shut up. And the player is always an angel, Lil Jaden. And other teammates, they saw it and they said, keep your head up. Man, what a load of crap. What an absolute load of crap. That's how I see it. And don't at me about it. Next, Stephen A. Smith, man. Stephen A. Smith not happy with the new legislation that Governor Abbott down in Texas signed, which basically makes it illegal to be an illegal immigrant. We're all sitting there going, huh? All right. Well, let's hear from the great order, the now political
1: order, Stephen A. Smith. This is a disgrace. It's inhumane. And it opens the floodgate to further divide our nation because when you have law enforcement that literally can arrest people over a suspicion, think about that for a second. It's racist.
2: Somebody needs to say it, so I'm gonna say it. It's a racist ass thing to do. Suspicion? suspect suspected of entering the country illegally how can you be-
0: yeah well he doesn't have to deal with it he doesn't have to deal with it i mean look he he's sitting there in new york city in little bristol and he doesn't have to deal with a state being overrun being overrun by illegal immigrants i've not heard one time where he's gone down to the border and seen what's actually happened. See, everybody wants to blame the reaction. Guys that don't know that don't have to deal with it, like Stephen A. Smith and others, don't have to deal with the real. They don't deal. They just deal to the reaction to a crisis that was not here before Joe Biden got elected. It was not here. The border was secure. But everybody's mad at the reaction. I mean, I again have told you this. I have a friend who lives in Albuquerque. It's not really a border town, a couple hours north. Well, guess what? He's got people running in his backyard. What are those people going to do? What are the folks going to do? It's racist. Everything's racist. That falls on deaf ears anymore. It falls on absolute deaf ears. Hey, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I don't know if it's the wrong thing to do. I honestly don't, but I know this that guy nor me are dealing with the crisis on a daily basis that guy Stephen A. Smith nor me have to deal with it every day have to deal with the crime have to deal with what's real some guy sitting there with his smart ass and his little coffee with his headset trying to be a badass has no idea what is going on actually at the border why don't you just close the border this isn't a Governor Abbott fault This isn't, this isn't Abbott's fault. This is the fault of the freaking administration, the Biden administration led by a diversity hire, who is the bumbling, stumbling, dumbest vice president we've ever had in this country, as a border czar, opening the border, record numbers coming in, military age men coming in, in a country, in a post-9/11 country, and we're just supposed to sit back and worry about some slap dick in New York with a headset calling it racist, and he don't have to deal with nothing. No, nah, that's crap. Now, nah, just when I thought Stephen A. Smith couldn't get any dumber, he's sitting there with his money and his talk and all his nonsense. He don't deal with it every day. So I'm personally going to let the people who have to deal with it every day make the rules on dealing with it every day. And I'm personally going to blame the Biden administration because we've had a number of people on this show, whether it is Dan Pastorini who's been there, Brian Urlacher who's been there, people that we probably have five people that have been to the border and they all say the same thing. It is open. It is unmanageable. It is the cause caused by Joe Biden retracting policies that Donald Trump put in that secured the border, and he did it for only political reasons. So I don't give a shit whether Stephen A. Smith thinks it's racist. Like they said in A Few Good Men, grab a rifle and stand the post, son, or shut the living hell up. Everything's racist. You're wearing a gray shirt, racist. I'll tell you right now, that's a bunch of Bolshevik. 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 Yeah. Speaking of Smith and others, Micah Parsons is a really good football player. Like he is, but he's also a mouth. And I'm just telling you, You can become a mouth after your second or third Super Bowl, but when you haven't won nothing and your team continues to fail, being a mouth is okay, I suppose. Your brand grows. You get some commercials. Fine. Parsons, along the lines of Rashad Mendehal, is calling out fake analysts. That's right. We got fake analysts who allegedly wait for players to fail. He's right about that. No, I'll tell you what he's really right about. There are very few guys, Stephen A. Smith is one of them, no, not one of them, that can break down game film and tell you what actually happened. Very few, if any. Uh, Orlovsky does it a little bit to a to a remedial level, others a little bit. But what they can do is criticize. What they can do is jump up and down, stand in their head and crap snowball. See, when I was an analyst at ESPN, I used to tell you why things happen. You were always taught... Inform, entertain, and say why. Forecast as well. Well, nobody can do that because you got former players. And if you haven't coached, you really don't know what you're talking about. You do a little bit to a certain level, and people go, wow, look at that. But if you really listen to Aikman, you really listen to Romo, you really listen to Trent Green, or no, they don't tell you no. But anyway, Micah Parsons is not wrong. Here's what Micah Parsons had to say.
1: Everyone just waits for the cowboys to lose. I saw multiple analysts, people who are fake analysts who somehow got jobs on TV saying, There goes your boy. Like, oh, there he is. That's the person we've been waiting for.
3: It's almost to the point where it's like almost sick. Former players are waiting for other current players to fail so that way they have something to talk about. It's not even to just get into names. I mean, I feel like at this point you kind of know who you are, and it's like, why do you want a person to lose so bad? It seems that a lot of people. People are just waiting for people to
0: fail. Yeah, well, uh, cry me a river. You know what I mean? I mean, cry me a river. I mean, uh, oh, really? Oh my God! I'm not going to say their name. It's like, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but some little girl was asked, she had said, well, people are just, men are just misogynists. And she was asked, what's a misogynist? And the woman started crying and didn't know. Same thing with Micah Parsons here. Look, if you're going to call people out, then call them out. You already know. I really don't know. Who are you talking about? I mean, you can't really be talking about, I don't know, Rex Ryan. He's not a former player. Sam Ponder, she's not. Are you talking about Randy Moss? Are you talking about guys on NFL Network? I mean, if you are going to be a mouth and if you are going to be a controversial figure, then give the names. Who are you talking about? What's got you upset? I mean, that's all you got to do is let us know who you are talking about because I'm not sure you're wrong. In fact, I think Micah Parsons is right because the easiest thing in the world to do is criticize. Now, when I criticize someone, I tell you why, and I give you the opposite view. My view on Parsons, and I'll be critical of him here, is two things. One, it just doesn't work out when you're a young guy And it is your podcast and it is your thing. And you're going to be sensitive to criticism when you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. It just doesn't seem to work out. You know, how many years in a row have the Dallas Cowboys disappointed? I don't really remember Troy Aikman or Michael Irvin or Emmett Smith or those guys worrying about criticism. But, you know, over the last couple of years, that's all I've heard from the Dallas Cowboys. We're criticized too much. We're America's team. We, get, You guys criticize Dak Prescott. It's racist what you say about Dak Prescott and not Josh Allen. Now you got, well, former players are waiting. Well, it's part of being on America's team. It is, and you're not wrong. You know, you could have been on America's team maybe back in the 90s when Aikman and those guys were rocking and rolling, and maybe they weren't criticized to the level. But each criticism stung a little more back then because it wasn't constant. It's like saying racist. Racist now is constant, and it has totally lost its meaning. At least it has with me and most people that I know, black and white. But when you just constantly talk about and, and be sad about getting criticized, eh, that falls on deaf ears. But back in the day when Aikman and there, if you got criticized on NFL today or you got criticized in the – uh, in the USA Today or the local paper, not, people really paid attention because there wasn't that much noise. Now the local paper can criticize you, and you're like, oh, what's that? What's the local paper? Do they still have a local paper? Now the USA Today can criticize you, and you're like, well, where do you get that? Twitter can criticize you, and that's what Twitter's going to do. But if you're in the Dallas Cowboys, you got to be like, hey, I don't give a rat's ass and not give a rat's ass. Micah Parsons gives a rat's ass. But if you're going to go in, go in. If you're going to be a media star, then be a media star. Who are you talking about? You talking about Danny Cannell? Maybe, but Danny's going to join us on the show, and I'm very happy about it. So is our friend Jason Allen Hammer. It's going to be Hammer time coming up. All right. I've told you this before. People always want to know, what, uh, what is up with these bowl games? Why is there so many bowl games? Why do we play the Pro Bowl? And I've you always used the Pro Bowl as an example. So the Pro Bowl does a 10 rating, a 10. When college basketball is at its zenith, March, late February, and Duke plays North Carolina in every year, the biggest game, and no game, not one game gets advertised more than that. That is a level. When I was at ESPN, that was beyond. They had showcase games, and then they had Duke Carolina. They did about three. Everybody, well, everybody's watched and I did about a three. So same thing with these bowl games. Let me give you a, a screenshot here. College football has become so popular that even these low-level, bad college football games are outdrawing big-time, major college basketball TV ratings. Look at the look at Boise State, UCLA, and then look at Indiana. Now, Nuke North Carolina, that's pretty good. That was on CBS, so that won the day, but barely over the L.A. Bowl. Look at the Miami of Ohio versus Appalachian State in the Cure Bowl. Look at Howard over Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl, and then look at Indiana, Kansas. Indiana, Kansas, an unbelievable game, tremendous environment, and a really good game. It did not outdraw Howard versus Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl. How about that? You want to know why we have bowl games? Because at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, some bowl game coming up here next week is going to outdraw like Duke and North Carolina. Now, good for Kentucky and North Carolina to take the day. That's awesome. But I try to tell you this all the time, all the time. NFL, college football is king. And college basketball needs to get its head out of its backside and figure out how to get popular in in the months other than March. And I do, I do have a way. John Calipari, and I have talked about this forever. Tournaments in August. What are you really watching, August? Are you really watching baseball? You know, I know you're getting ready for training camp, and you're all excited, but four teams, Duke, North Carolina, Indiana, Kentucky, converge on GameBridge Fieldhouse, ESPN event, August 17th, my birthday, the Danny D. birthday classic. You let me announce, and you'll have the biggest audience of the summer. But what does college basketball do? Nothing. What does softball do? They got two sports. They got a spring season, which is when their main season is, but they got a fall season. What does volleyball do? Which is the fastest growing sport on television. They got a fall season, but they also play in the spring. What does football do? They got spring football. What does basketball do? Nothing. Zero. Zip. Nada. Nothing. You gotta do something, college basketball. Now, that's not to say that you're still gonna still gonna pass football, but I don't know that you can't. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, football is king. Football is king of everything. And we know this. We know this because, well, frankly, every single metric says that football wins. Period. When Florida, AM and m Howard in college football outdraw Indiana, you got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem. Indiana in basketball. Yeah, I got a problem in college basketball. And I'm here to help you. Just give me a call. All right. I don't know if this is illegal. And I don't know, should this be illegal? So Michael Jordan. 2014. Well, let's hear from Julian Edelman about what Michael Jordan said to him before the Super Bowl. Let's hear from Edelman. I got a Jordan story. Tell thing. me. Tell me. Tell me. We're playing Super Bowl 2014. The week before the Super Bowl, I took my folks to dinner and I roll up and I see Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan. And I'm like super struck. I'm about to play in the Super Bowl. And I go up and, and you could tell Jeter's a very charming guy, welcoming. I go, Mr. Jeter, Julian Edelman, I'm playing in the Super Bowl. I, was like, I saw Jordan. He was kind of like standoffish a little bit. And as soon as the conversation's about to end, like five minutes in, I'm about to leave. Jordan comes up to me and he goes, hey, kid, I got a bunch of money on you. Don't fuck it up, and that's the only thing he said to me. And and and, and I go, Mister Mister Jordan, I didn't know what to say, but God, I, yeah, it was crazy. So Michael Jordan's an ass. All right, okay, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Should that be illegal? It's not gonna be. But I gotta tell you, that seems to me to be wrong. Now maybe I'm just soft. Maybe I don't understand the world of these big time guys, the Michael Jordans of the world. I, I, I guess I don't. I'm sure I don't. I know I don't. I know you guys understand. I, I don't. But is it is that is that the it, it, I you know I I don't understand a couple of things. Let me give you what I don't understand. Where do guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I hope he gets healthy? who treated everybody around him like a jackass and was beneath him. Get off doing that because they could put a ball in a basket. You know what I mean? Like Michael Jordan is a degenerate gambler, which is fine. I got no problem with it. Uh, a, a, a womanizer cheated on his wife. Um, I don't know. Where do they get off treating people like crap because what? They got chip on their shoulder and they could a ball put a ball in a basket? I don't know. Um, I don't get it. I, I don't. I, 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 yeah. And everybody kisses the ring, right? Everybody acts like this guy is something. I, I, you guys are gonna have to help me out with this. Now, see, you know why Jordan treats Dennis Rodman like that? Because Dennis Rodman don't need Michael Jordan. And there's a little bit of Michael Jordan that realizes Dennis Rodman could embarrass him and not care about. Him. So he knows that Julian Edelman is calling him sir and blah, 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 blah. So he treats him like an ass. Don't ever treat celebrities with like, awe. Oh, hey man, what's up? Leave me alone. Uh, that's my take. I'm not sure I'm right. I would love to hear you. I want to know on the YouTube chat. It feels like that should be illegal. I I don't know. It's not, and I'm being a wimp, and I'm being a douchey guy, but it just feels like there's something wrong with that. I don't know. I'm wrong. I know I am. I'm wrong. I'll tell you what's wrong, man. I'll tell you what's wrong, and why am I not surprised? And I guess my only surprise is that this doesn't happen more often. I talked about this the other day. There's a G league player who decided that he was going to kill a sex worker. His Name is chance Camacho. Former NBA player, he played in one game G league player confessed to plotting the murder of a 23 year old woman in Henderson, West Virginia after she agreed to meet Camacho and his birth and his girlfriend based on a $1,000 offer for kinky sex. So this guy Comancho and his girlfriend, who is a thug, she's been arrested. She had warrants out, all kinds of different stuff. So this guy decides that, you know what? His girlfriend, who I think is 19 years old, this guy's like 24, the sex ain't enough. So we got to go get kinky with him. So they decide to go online, find a sex worker, get a little kink going. And next thing you know, they kill him. They kill the girl. Now, explain that to me. This guy, Comanche, was 27 years old, charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder. He and his girlfriend, 19-year-old Shikari Hardin, worked a tandem to choke this girl, Amaya Rod- Rogers, six hours after a basketball game. They were sex workers. His girlfriend, Hardiman and the, and the, the victim were sex workers. Now, apparently... Harden, the girlfriend, had beef with the victim, Rogers, over a stolen Rolex. The plot, listen to this, called for Comancho to pose as a consumer, a consumer, a customer who would be, who would tie Rogers and Harden's hands behind their backs for sex. Well, after Rogers had been bound with a zip tie in the back of the car, Comancho used a cord One of these cords, HDMI cord, to choke her for 10 seconds with the cord and stated that she heard the girl stop breathing. He used the cord to strangle the young lady. Said once she stopped strangling, he released attention, but Shakara, the girl, continued choking her. So they both choked her. Once the victim was dead, they found a ditch off the side of the road where they put Rogers and covered her body with rocks he returned to the hotel before he and his teammates left they got all this on the video man this dude went to beverly hills high school this dude went to the university of arizona this dude and the co-defendant have been dating for a year and a half man oh man oh man hardman hard harden the killer had an ongoing beef telling her friends she was going to smoke her if Harden did not give her a rollout. This is just so, you know, idiots, idiots being idiots. People think that being a gangster is cool. Man, oh, man, I'm going to smoke your ass. I mean, the level of stoop that people get into Because they want to be something they're not. See, if this guy Comancho would have just been a basketball player, he wouldn't be facing life in prison. And and if the girl who uh, who helped kill him, 19-year-old, just acted like a 19-year-old, did whatever 19-year-olds did, she wouldn't be going to jail forever. It's just astounding to me the world that we live in, how people put themselves in ridiculous situations because they're trying to be something they're not. By the way, speaking of that, John Morant came back yesterday. We talked about it on the show, and guess what? John Morant played great. I hope it works out for John Morant. I do. But you talk about a guy that was doing something, trying to be something that he wasn't, it don't work out. Look, here's the deal. I'm old white guy, be old white guy. I don't need to talk slang. Just be old white guy. That's it. I mean, what are you going to do? Side note, unless somebody has something different on this, a couple of you have asked me, and I got to tell you, I've been trying to find out why, but unless you know somewhere, somehow, I have no idea why the guys from the Indianapolis Colt, McKenzie, uh, and I think it's Brown, got suspended for the rest of the year. Like, that came out of nowhere. And when you look at it, when you when, – when, <laughs> excuse me. When you look at, like, the Indy star isn't touching it. The Indy star is like, yeah, well, that means negative, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I mean, that ain't – they're not touching it. Nobody seems to know, but two guys that both played. I mean, McKenzie was their returner. McKenzie was a third wide receiver. And the other guy, the defensive back, they played. Man, oh, man. Hey, did you see this? Old Miss Signy. and number one Juco prospect Deion Smith pulled up to his signing ceremony in a Lamborghini. That's right. Give, them a Lambo- give all these kids Lamborghinis. Give them all what the hell they want. Hell yes. Let's go. Give them what they want. I mean, they need Lamborghinis. They need Rolexes. I mean, how could this go wrong? Signing day was yesterday. Once again, everybody tells me, Marcus Freeman did the greatest job. We've never seen signings like this out of Notre Dame. Yeah, really? All right. Apparently, in terms of football, Colorado under neon Deion Sanders didn't do so great in terms of high school football. In fact, in terms of high school football recruiting, Deion Sanders was like in 90th place or 98th place, one spot below Eastern Michigan. Now here's the deal. Eastern Michigan isn't very good. Deion Sanders doesn't need high school kids. What Deion Sanders needs, is transfer portal guys. So they signed five recruits, Deion Sanders, and some ridiculous big fat lineman who committed to the University of Colorado sat on the set with with Skip Bayless wearing shades and a hat and looking like a complete idiot and saying he wasn't gonna sign. So they bring this guy onto the set, he doesn't sign, and word on the street is he's going to make the worst career move ever, and he is going to flip to Maryland and the joke that is Mike Loxley. These things don't work out well. These things just don't work out well. Oh, they say he announced on Skip. Sh- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, my bad. He announced on Bayless's show that he was going to go to Colorado, and then he didn't sign. Lamborghini. Hey, look, what 18 to 22 year old doesn't need a damn Lambo? Give it to him or you're racist. We'll be right back with Danny Canal. Can't wait. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Yeah, it might be something about the name Dan that just makes you all crazy, but Danny Connell is the voice of college football. At least he's the reasonable, unafraid voice of college football. Don't give me any crap about Herb Street. Herb Street's buttoned up, and he's worried about his dog. Connell, Dusty, and Danny in the mornings, it's a go-to. It really is. Danny, I got to ask you, you're Florida State guy. Florida State left out over all the nonsense. First, you okay with it, bad with it? And then... um bill hancock and the boys did they give you enough of a reason walk me through your take on all this
3: first of all it's great to be on with you dan i love uh when i get to join you uh i thought like i thought time would heal all wounds because i was pissed off like when florida state got left out i was pissed off uh i thought bama should have been the team that was left out i thought there should have been a debate between texas and alabama it turns out Texas was just in, they didn't even, they weren't even in the discussion. It came down to Florida state and Alabama. So I was pissed off when I found out about it. And I thought time would heal all wounds, but I i kid you not. I'm at a, I'm at a golf tournament, a little celebrity golf tournament. You know how it is for big deals like us. Like we oh, get yeah. invited to play in these yeah. golf tournaments. Oh, yeah. So I'm playing and it's like a celebrity shootout. And so there's all these people watching on the green and I miss a putt and it lips out, like almost goes in just left out and this this heckler from the crowd goes up oh, just like Florida State to be left out and i'm like come on you got to be kidding me this thing is following me everywhere um so to then to the next point of your question was like well what about bill hancock the the reasoning behind it the system is so incredibly flawed that you can you can leave a team out i mean it's not a playoff it's an invitational like i'll start with that like and i think that's been one thing that most college football fans have learned it's not a it's not a true playoff it's an invitational and they only give out four invitations to whoever they want to and they have a criteria that is designed where you can really use and tweak whatever reasoning you want and justify whatever teams you want so if you want to go like bill hancock did and say well, our system is designed to, to, to find the four best teams, and we don't think Florida State without Jordan Travis is one of the four best teams, he can say, look, it says this right here on our criteria, and he can leave them out. He can reference the strength of schedule, which he did when he uh, wrote back to you know Florida State and said, look, their strength of schedule wasn't as strong as these other teams. So, yes, I'm mad, I'm irritated. I think Florida State got the shaft, but every single year one team has gotten robbed. I think it just happened to be the last year of this four team that the most egregious example of a worthy team was my alma mater in Florida state getting left out.
0: Do you, do you think there is anything to Florida state thinking
3: of leaving the uh, ACC over this? Yeah, I think, you know, look there, this is the, this is the aspect, which I actually liked was having humans being able to reason and, and look at both film and have, you know, analytics at your disposal and kind of combi- combine those two. But I think the human element is also what's coming to play here as far as you alluded to. Because, yeah, I, I do think it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way how brash and brazen Florida State is being about, you know, been they've been open and vocal uh, about wanting to leave the ACC. And I, I think a lot of people and athletic directors who are on that committee looked at it and were like, man, who do these guys think they are? And they would never say this out loud, but they'd be like, Yeah, they're not that great. You know, they don't, they think they're above the ACC. Well, we'll show them, you know, I I think there's a human nature element if it comes out. By the way, in the last half hour, there's been breaking news. Florida State just scheduled a uh, emergency board of regents meeting to, you know, rattle the cage a little bit more. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what the plan could be. I'm all for it. If they can force their way out. But so far, Dan, it's just been a lot of talk and no action. And I, I think that's really backfired for the Seminoles. All
0: right. When I coached two years, we got left out of the NCAA tournament at Bowling Green. And I lost my mind in, in 2000 and 2002. I lost my mind on the head of the committee. I don't know, you know, whatever. I say this, Danny, and I and I tell you about the Bowling Green thing to tell you that I believe in the human element. I believe guys sit in that room and whether they have overt agendas, there are agendas. It's not a vacuum. And I'm saying to myself, they looked at who the best team was to beat Michigan, and that's Alabama. It They, they couldn't put out – however they could – it was either Alabama or Florida State. Who's the best? I'm probably wrong, Danny, but that's how I look at these things. You mentioned the human element, and it just triggered that inside
3: me. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right. And I do think when the biggest voices in college football, you know, Herb Street, you mentioned him off the top, he'd been floating this for a couple weeks leading in and really pounded the table, was making the case saying it's not the most deserving. I mean, he was on PMT and he said, I don't care about doing the right thing. We're supposed to get the four best teams. That to me was a direct shot across the bow at Florida State saying, you guys better impress. And he referenced Ohio State blown out Wisconsin, 59 nothing the year that they had their backup quarterback, the diff- their third-string quarterback with Cardale Jones. The difference was Ohio State had a loss that year. They needed style points because they had lost. But, yeah, absolutely, I don't think anyone, and trust me, the minute I started to get really worried was when I was watching the ACC championship game like everybody else. Brock Glenn was a deer in headlights, the you know, young quarterback, third-string. The offense looked putrid. They couldn't get anything going. And it's human nature to say, do we really want to, you know, look at this and picture this as one of the four best teams? I understand that aspect of it, but I think it's completely wrong. And I think it diminishes. What about the defense that was absolutely lights out the last three weeks of the season? What about the number of teams who have won with defense? Like you can go NFL or college football. Like I thought it diminished that aspect of it. But yeah, you can even look at the odds makers, which I do think they look at. And say Florida State would have been a two-touchdown underdog to Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and these other teams in there. So yeah, I think that aspect clearly came into play as well. I just always think that, like you know, to, to
0: your point, the, the, it, it just feels like it's always that way. I'm gonna go to Deion Sanders here. Does does anything like I, I was looking at the signing date and those things matter? You got to have great players, and he only signed six high school kids and one kid's him and ha. Does it matter for for a program ran like Sanders where he's trying
3: to get transfers? How much does signing day matter to someone like that? I think you're on to something because I, I'm not as... You know, and trust me, I haven't I haven't sent a tweet or anything because I love trolling the Colorado fan base. Dion, who just dis- disregarded his career at Florida State. I'm like, wait a second. He's one of the legends of our school and he doesn't even want to embrace the Seminoles. Now he's changed a little bit. I mean, his son, the one who doesn't play, called me a hoe. Like, come on. Like, so I have every I have every reason to go out there and troll them. But I'm like, you know what? I don't think it's that big a deal. I think it's embarrassing if the five-star tackle you mentioned is wavering leaves them. I think that's a bad look, like you weren't able to close on Jordan Seaton. But clearly, Deion's, um, his plan from day one was, I'm bringing Louie with me and everybody else can leave. And he's shopping for Louie, and it's not at the high school ranks. It's through the portal where they've already embraced it against again this year. They still are the top-rated portal class. And I think his number one priority is, I have a great quarterback because I like Shador Sanders a lot. I think he's a really good quarterback. He had a phenomenal year, but they have to protect him better. He's saying, what can I do to win this year? Now, I think you you have to have a balance if you're planning for the next five, six years, if you want to build a program for sustained success. That would concern me a little bit if I'm a Colorado fan, being like, well, yeah, that's great. We're going to go all in this year. But what if it doesn't work? What if we're 9-3 and three and we miss out in the playoffs, we don't win the Big 12, like, then what's the plan for the next year? But I think Dion's just going at it like a pro team saying, well, we'll just sign another transfer portal class and we'll train them. But I do think it's hard to get continuity. I think we saw that unfold this past year. Camaraderie, like building deep team chemistry. I don't know how much you can build over just six months. And I think the minute you face adversity with a squad that's built on hired you know, guns that if you face adversity, the guys that were paid and bought in there just to win, what happens if you lose? And I think you saw a little bit of that struggle this past year. Like, if it wins, great. They're all in. But the minute you lose a game, all of a sudden those fingers start getting pointed, guys start to complain. It gets really hard to overcome.
0: Yeah, and it gets hard to turn that back around. And you saw it yeah. this year with Sanders' team. I mean, I got to ask you, you quarterback. Jobs like the quarterback at Florida State. Jobs like the quarterback at Ohio State. Those are gold mines, right now were you surprised that the
3: mccord kid left yes and no so here's i'll be curious to see what you think of this i don't i think this might have been one of the like in that because i think clearly college athletics are becoming minor league basketball minor league football you know what i hated about the nfl i got cut i didn't like (laughs) that i wanted to have guaranteed money and we didn't have that you know I think this is kind of Kyle McCord getting cut from a really good roster because I think if he wanted to go back to Ohio State, I think he probably could have because he's under, he's as a scholarship. I think, I think he probably went back or his representation had and was like, Hey, what's the NI deal look? What's the NIL deal look like this year? And I bet Ohio State was like, Not the same as it was coming in here because we didn't meet our expectations. You were good, not great. And either that transpired or Kyle McCord looked around and was like, I'm getting, I'm getting scapegoated for the reason we 11 and one day and they went 11 and one. That's a really good season. Except if you're Ohio state and you lost to Michigan and he had two picks in that game, he might've been like, well, screw it. I'm going to leave and go somewhere that appreciates me. But I do think the market told you something about Kyle McCord's talent level where I do think he probably like he goes to Syracuse and it's a great, great signing for Syracuse, but there's a lot of great teams that need good quarterbacks. And Nebraska was one of them. And they went with a true freshman that hasn't even played a down in Dillarola over Kyle McCord. And Oregon didn't bite on him. Miami didn't bite on him. Florida State didn't bite on him. There is a long list of schools who really were in the market for a good quarterback. And he ends up going to Syracuse. Like there just seems like there's something off there. And I think it's probably the market for Kyle McCord was just at the bottom. So maybe Syracuse, give him credit. It's a great signing for them. Maybe you're buying low on a quarterback who could have a better upside for a school like Syracuse.
0: I got told that he walked in and, and timing is everything. And he walked in four days after losing to Michigan, wanted a million and a guarantee that he was going to start. I got this from pretty good source. Yep. And the coaches, as you know, Danny, the coaches, that wound is open. Like, you know, that's, that, that that's right. there are times when you got to kiss the ass of a kid and there are times when you're as a coach you're like hey I'm
3: giving shit I'm 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 dying here and you're going to put this on me screw you you know what I mean Yep absolutely so that's you know it, the players have more power than NFL players they can go into free agency every single year and they're doing it. And some of the kids are going to find out. Like, you mess around, you find out. I think Kyle, Moore messed, Kyle McCord f- messed around, said, here's my offer. Take it or leave it. And the Buckeyes were like, good. So it's, you know, it's the laws of supply and demand. And players are going to find out. Sometimes you don't have as much leverage as you think.
0: Is Is college football, like, I just did a ratings thing where, like, Howard and Florida AM outdrew the Indiana-Kansas basketball game. And as an Indiana guy, I'm like, that sucks, right? But I understand. I'm a football fan. First. Is college football in a really good place right now, given that
3: they are fixing the 14 playoff going to 12? You know, it's interesting because there's such a weird dynamic taking place where I hate what we've become. Like, I'm more of a traditionalist. I played because I love the sport. I thought there was value in a degree, and I hung on to that thread. I was fighting that fight even three years ago, along with a lot of coaches saying, are we sure we want to open up this Pandora's box? And now we have the Wild West. We have fans like you know, call our show. They complain. They don't like it. And so like, I don't feel like the sport is as enjoyable or as pure. I'm like, what, what is in our country? Like, Everything <sighs> is corrupt by money. And I get it. Like, hey, I'd be the same way if I was a college kid and I, able to make that much money. And so I say this and I feel like the sport is kind of dirtier. It's shadier. It's more cutthroat. But as you just referenced, the ratings are an all-time high. Like the interest is an all-time high. So I guess it's good. You know, like I guess everybody's making money and people are watching. And it's nonstop, which is great for our business because the minute the championship window closed and the, those Big Ten SEC titles all were determined, guess what we were discussing the next day, even before we were breaking down games, Oh, did you see who's in the portal? And we had this two or three weeks. Then we had signing day. And guess what? Then it's going to be spring football. And then the portal opens back up and players are leaving again. It is year round business and there's money flowing through everything. I don't know if we'll ever get back to what I would say, like the golden era of college football. Like and maybe I'm partial, like late eighties, nineties, early two thousands, where it just felt like everybody cared. It feels like, like it's getting like the NFL. And I just don't want the fans to lose their passion. Cause that's truly what I think has made the difference in those two players played. Cause they cared. They wanted to play for their university. They wanted to win a championship and fans showed up no matter what. I worry we lose that, but if it's all about TV, gambling, people want to tune in, they'll watch. That's not going to go away anytime soon. You know, I'm old, but you never feel old, right? <laughs> like you don't, like I, I always say being my
0: age is, you got, you got the mind of a college kid, but the means of an adult. And it's pretty cool, right? Right. But I'm on text exchanges, text groups with guys that I played with at Indiana. Some are, you know, I coached there a long time. So some are 10 years younger. And we all laugh about, could you imagine going in to tell Coach Knight that I need another million? Or maybe Bobby Bowden, hey, Coach, hey, man, we beat Miami. I need another mill. Let's go. Or I'm out of here. Can you imagine doing that?
3: I cannot fathom it. Uh, (laughs) I got to meet with coach Bowden. I went by his house. I was in Tallahassee. Probably about three months before he passed away. And I sat with him for about a half hour. We were just talking. I said, Hey, you know, what do you think about the direction of college football? Almost like you asked me. And he goes, you know, he goes, I worry about it because it's a team sport. And he's like, I worry that we're going to lose the team aspect and it's going to get harder for coaches to get players to buy in to the team above you. And we had, a th- we had shirts that said, God, team me, like God, the biggest letters. Cause coach Bowen was more a preacher than a coach team. And then me, and now it's been flipped on its script. Every player is looking out only for their own personal interest. And I hate that. And it's, I think it's like a life lesson that we're missing out on because at some point You need to check your ego at the door and do what's best for the team, whether it's your family, whether it's your organization, whether it's your company. And we've just completely lost that. And maybe I'm just too idyllic and I live in a past era that's just gone, but I hate that we've lost that and I don't know how we get it back. See, you were a quarterback,
0: so everybody on the team would understand that, okay, the quarterback gets paid. I was a bit player that played enough to be dangerous but I'd have been pissed. Like, if Steve Alford, who was the star, got the money, i had been like, all right, I can get down with that. But if Stu Robinson was like me and he got money, I'd be pissed, Danny. And I would have been – I was the captain, and I'd have been like, that's bullshit. We're not doing – you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know how you keep a – I don't know how you keep
3: a locker room together. I don't know and how you And that's, I think, the, what coaches are finding harder and harder every day. And you know where I saw that? this, then this was a long time in the NFL. That was one of the things I didn't like about the NFL. I'm like, what happened to hanging out with your boys? And, you know, there's not jealousy and there's not, you know, there's not these conflicting, you know, roles that are taking place. And you're, you know, you're going to get cut and sent home. I just, we're becoming what everyone knows we are. It's minor league NFL and it's becoming more professional and watered down. And the passion and emotion is diminishing. And I hate it. Uh, Who you got winning? Uh man, you're not gonna like this because I don't even I don't even know who to root for. Like I guess if I was rooting for a team, it'd be Washington. They're the purest team that has zero losses that earned their way there, and everybody doubted them. They beat Oregon twice. Like I'll be rooting for Washington, but you know who I think could win it all? Those cheating guys from up north, the Michigan Wolverines. Like I still think they have a chance. Like they're that's their third time there, their third time Big Ten champs. I felt like they're built for this, and I do think Alabama is not as unbeatable as they've been in the past. I mean, it's evidenced by the Auburn game where they needed that fourth and 31 conversion. I, I think they're beatable. The only thing that has me worried is JJ McCarthy. Since they found out about the Connor stallions, he's only had one touchdown pass. He had 17 up to that point, And then all of a sudden it stopped. Like what happened to the hose that was just flowing water everywhere. It's like, it's you cut off the faucet. I still think they're built to win physically, and I think they can. I think they can move the ball on Alabama. Um, but even saying that, like, and here's the other thing. I think the odds makers always know. Everyone in there. I haven't heard many people pick Alabama. Or excuse me, pick Michigan. Even though Michigan is the favorite, like they're the one and a half point favorite. And I feel like everybody's on Bama. I like to play the role of contrarian, so I'll go ahead and fade the public every single time. So I think Michigan can win it all uh, once they get through Alabama. Fading the
0: public is the only way to go in gambling. I've learned that over the last six months. And fading the public is
3: genius. Do you give them a championship? There has to be an asterisk, right? I mean. Danny, you got two investigations going on. Right.
0: You know, you got, and that doesn't even count the pedophile staffer. That doesn't count the offensive coordinator that was breaking into other schools, computers
3: and FBI. I mean, what the hell? Right. So even if they win, I think they deserve an asterisk. so I'm, I'm putting that out there early. I'm sure you're on the same page.
0: I'm it. Oh God yeah and I paid
3: a lot of money for my son to go to freaking Michigan for crying out loud. Hey, what's going on with bet online? Oh, you got to go check it out. BetOnline's an awesome site. They have so many fun lines. They've already got lines for the champion, the hypothetical championship matchup. So, like, if you like Michigan, you can actually find a line for them against Washington, against Texas. Uh, you can go find them. They have uh, all kind of odds. It's a great site. Make sure you check it out for all your, uh, your wagering needs.
0: Danny, keep doing what you're doing, man. You got called a hoe. And here's my favorite part of this interview. You got called a hoe, but here's how you said it. I got called a hoe by the Sanders kid that doesn't play. Right. Right. right
3: exactly. That's what bothered me the most. <laughs> I would understand it if it was Shadu or Charlotte. Like, who's this guy criticizing me on the field? It's the son that, like, just runs the social media, and yet he yaps, 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 and doesn't do anything on the field. That drives me nuts. I don't have any beef with Dion or the other two. It's the one that doesn't play that I have a problem with. That was my favorite. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> I, I heard it. I could (laughs) tell the inflection in the
0: voice. Yeah. It was serious. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Danny. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're the best. Great talking to you. That is Danny Cannell. Catch him in the mornings on Sirius XM channel 84. When Danny says it, I listen. I tell you, I don't listen to everybody, but I listen with Danny Cannell because he's unafraid. And because he's unafraid, it makes all you freaking people mad. Like, you know, what what is everybody supposed to be like? Hey, everything's roses. Get out of here. Speaking unafraid, my guy coming up, Jason Allen Hammer. That was a blast. Thank you, Beth, and everybody on our show for getting Danny on. That was really, really good. We'll be right back. Hammer time coming up. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me Across the Outkick Network. Uh, I don't know what the hell Barrett Sports Media is thinking about. Uh, This is now, what are you, number three? That's horse bleep. You're the number one show in America, News Talk, Afternoon Drive, Hammer Nigel, WIBC 93.1. And I don't want to hear any more about it. Apparently, people (laughs) are trying to, the man's trying to keep you down, HT. It's trying to keep you down. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. It's hard to go
2: back to back, but. We were number one in the country last year. We fell to number three in the rankings this year. I still got a championship banner hanging up. I didn't yeah. think they'd let me go back to back this year. So next year, it's on. Let's go. I get it.
0: No, I understand. I, I got to ask you before we move into more important things I'm not mad at our Colts, HT. I'm, I, I, they're hanging in there pretty good, and everyone around in that division is starting to fall apart a little bit, some with injury, some with bad play. I ain't mad at the Colts. Uh oh. Uh oh. Did we freeze him? Uh oh. I think we froze the hammer. We cannot, we must unfreeze hammer time. It's hammer time. Hey, look, there he is. There you go. got me? Yeah. I ain't mad at the Colts. We didn't hear what you said. I'm not either. And
2: somehow, some way, they put points up. It's not pretty. You're going to have a few Minshew fumbles. You're going to have a pick or two maybe in the mix. You're going to have some bonehead stuff. But every game, you look back, the Colts are good for at least 23-plus points somehow. One of the few teams in the league, you can always pencil in 20-plus points. And – The schedule is very favorable for the Colts to win the string out. And listen, Jacksonville drops one more sometime between now and the end of the season. There's a very good chance the Colts could host a playoff game, which, look, there'll be underdogs probably in that game. But hell, I bet that team to go under the total at the beginning of the year, thinking that Anthony Richardson, the rookie quarterback, would be the guy and have some growing pains. But Minshews came in, and again, not pretty, but at the end of the day, there's some points on the board.
0: I agree. Hey, look, I mean, and and you know what? This is the time of year where you can make some money gambling in the NFL as teams go down. Like right now, the Colts are a one-point underdog to Atlanta. I think it, I watched Atlanta play Carolina. They stinks. And you know what? And the Colts seem to be on a, even though they got whooped by uh, the Bengals, which you got to pay attention to. They seem to be on a rise. This is an interesting time to gamble in the NFL right now. I love the team totals bet.
2: It's one of my favorite things. So we talked about the Colts earlier. Right now, I believe the number is 22 and a half total points for the Indianapolis Colts against the Falcons. I'm here for that, coach. I think the Colts are good for 23. Now, the thing that scares me about the Falcons game is that they've changed the quarterback. Cause Desmond Ritter stinks and they're going back to Tyler Heineke now. And look, is he the greatest? No, but is he capable of pulling something off? Absolutely.
0: I agree. Ritter is terrible. All right. I got to get into something here. The border crisis seems to be being blamed on everybody, except the administration that is actually perpetuating it. And that's the Biden administration and that goofy ass czar, Camilla Harris. Latest is Brandon Miller or Johnson. The, moronic i never thought you'd get dumber than Lori lightfoot but apparently we have he's blaming abbott in 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 uh texas for sending to a sanctuary city mind you illegal immigrants why don't we blame where, where why don't we put blame where it belongs the policies of the biden administration undoing what trump had hammer that's what chicago does chicago will
2: always blame somebody else for their problems if it's a border problem It's not the fault of the lawmakers that made it happen. It's the fault of the governor of the state that's being overran by the crisis. If there's a crime problem, it's not the criminals in Chicago. It's how easy guns are to get in the state of Indiana. We hear that argument all the time. It's our fault because criminals in Chicago break the law. Shocking. So, look, if you want to be a sanctuary city, be a sanctuary city and own it. But now you're seeing that there are actual ramifications to those words. New York is seeing it. Chicago is seeing it. Atlanta, uh, multiple cities in California. It's real easy to say we're a sanctuary city when it's not being overran at the border. But when it is and people call your bluff on it, you don't get to cry. Like these are the rules of engagement. I have more respect for the mayors of Chicago and New York and San Francisco if they just came out and said, look, it's tough but this is who we are. We're going to accept the huddled masses and we're going to be the the do-gooders of society. But that's not what they're doing. They want to have their cake and eat it too, and it doesn't work that way.
0: You know, one of the interesting things, and it's Stephen A. Smith talking about this immigration law and how it's racist. Hell, everything's racist. The word racist just used to scare me to be called. Now it's like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. But you know what? To your point, guys that criticize all this stuff don't have to deal with it every day. And you're right. down there in Texas, and you have to react to policies. Mm-hmm. And then when you react to policies that open the border, you're going to get criticized no matter what you do. I say screw it. Do what you need to do because Governor Abbott and the folks down in Arizona and, and, and New Mexico, they got to deal with this every freaking day, every day. So I don't want to hear criticism of it unless you're willing, as they said in a few good Men*, go down there and stand a post.
2: Well, they're trying to
0: change the talking points, right? They're trying to shift the
2: blame because what's happening is their own constituents are starting to clap back and say, hey, what the hell is going on here in Chicago? At council meetings, local meetings, leaders of the black community, the Hispanic community and the white community, all folks, if they live in Chicago, probably voted left probably voted for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris and all these policies, they're saying, hold on here. This is not what we signed up for. So now they're getting a little antsy, which makes these folks in power get a little antsy. So their job is not to fix the problem, but to shift the blame to try to calm down these people that are giving them help.
0: Uh, Trump left off the ballot in Colorado. Is that just a formality before the U.S. Supreme Court reinstates him? Or are you nervous about that? No, it's a formality. The Supreme Court is going to overturn this. And look,
2: there's been wall-to-wall coverage of this for the last couple of days, right? DEFCON 4, DEFCON, all this kind of stuff. Trump left on the ballot. He has not been convicted of anything. End of conversation. Has he been charged? Sure. But a lot of people are charged with frivolous crap. And until Donald Trump is convicted of inciting an insurrection and anything January 6th-wise, Colorado jumped the gun here. And the Supreme Court, yes, they're going to overturn this. It's ridiculous that it got to this point, but I mean, other states are gonna do the same thing. Nobody wanted to be first, but I promise you, California's coming, New York's coming, all these other states, they're gonna jump on board now until the Supreme Court turns it over. But coach, you know this, these folks are too stupid to understand They're strengthening Donald Trump's campaign, because once the Supreme Court does indeed overturn it, not because it's a Republican Supreme Court, but because he hasn't been convicted of anything yet, he's going to be put back on the ballot. And a lot of folks are going to say, now, wait a minute. This is some bullcrap here. You're trying to eliminate a political opponent. You're building him up into martyr status here. And this is a dude that's already beating the brakes off of joe biden in every poll including very liberal leaning polls like cnn and the new york times
0: yeah i'm saying don't go to sleep on election night though i'll always say that i mean that you know (laughs) hey uh you are more than just the foremost political analyst of all things local and nationwide and worldwide you're also a genius when it comes to sports and you know what? The art of the gamble. Uh, hammer time. Let's go to this route first. Not a gambling question. More like a fan type question. We got the college football playoff coming up. Who you like? Man,
2: it's really hard for me not to go with Alabama when they've had this much time to prepare. Like when you give Saban this much time to prepare for an opponent or two, Man, it's awful tough, and they've gotten better as the year goes on. And look, I don't know if Michigan's got any signals from Nick Saban's staff, but I think Michigan's in trouble here in this matchup because Milrow wasn't very good at the beginning of the year, got benched at the beginning of the year. Bama lost to Texas. They struggled in a a gimme game that they had to sneak out at the beginning. But this ain't the same Bama team that we saw early on in the year. They've gotten better as the year goes on. And I'm not mad at Washington either. There's some good odds with Washington. I think their quarterback is better in that matchup. I think their receivers are better in that matchup. And if it comes down to a shootout, which I think it will, I want the better trigger man and the better receivers.
0: You know, it's interesting. Indiana University had both the coach at Washington and the quarterback at Washington on the freaking campus. Let them both go away. And now Tom Allen's the defensive coordinator at freaking Penn State. Any bowl games you're looking for? So let's go full degenerate mode here, right? Let's talk about tomorrow.
2: We've got uh, Central Florida hosting, and that's basically what it is. It's almost a home game for Central Florida. The game is 80 miles from their campus taking on Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech, they've had a few folks jump in the portal. They've had some folks say they're not going to play. Central Florida, on the other hand, They're loving this. They sold out their allotment of tickets given to the university. The coach is into it. The fan base seems to be into it. It's a de facto home game. The number's going up. I saw it at five and a half today. It was at 4 at the beginning of the week. So if you want to jump on this bad boy, get it before it goes to 6. Might already be there. But I like Central Florida. Uh, They're taking it seriously. They haven't been hurt too bad by the transfer portal. Most of their dudes are going to play. Fans are going to show up. I'll lay the five and a half.
0: Yeah, you know, that's interesting because it is – I I always go with, like tonight, Syracuse plays. Syracuse lost their coach. They fired him. He was a popular guy among players. But they did win a game without him. I have a tendency to go where there's chaos. You know what I mean? And you're talking about Central Florida, not much chaos. And it's not like Georgia Tech is – Miami of the eighties, Christ, they lost a bowling green. So, you know, I like your action there. I knew you'd have something good for us.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's look at the next week here. Uh, I think SMU plays Boston college. I think this is the Fenway bowl. Uh, So I'm sorry. It's San Jose, San Jose, I think is playing in the uh, Fenway bowl. Um, Boston college stinks. I don't care if it's you, me, and nine fat guys, we find hanging out outside this house. I'm taking us against Boston College. They, uh, they're they not good. And I don't care if they're playing in Boston against, you know, whoever. It's a double-digit spread. I'm going the other direction. Boston College stinks. Well,
0: Boston College, though, at
2: home? Come on. Like that rocking crowd at Fenway is going to lift up Boston College. The eight people that bought tickets to sit outside in the freezing ass cold to see a horrible football team take on somebody they've never heard of before. I'm going the other direction.
0: You know, when you have a bad team playing local in a bowl game, the fans of the bad team, there's no mystery. They know it's a bad team, right? Right. Like, wait. I'm going on the holidays to watch this same team that I watched every Saturday crap to bed. Yeah. I don't, that's a great point. Amber. That's a great, that's a dynamite point. How many times has IU football played in Indianapolis and the
2: stands were loaded with fans from the other team, yeah. right? We saw that this year. IU played Louisville in Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis and man, it was like a Louisville home
0: game. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. Cause Hey, look, we've seen that crap. We don't need to, we don't need, we don't need to change our, are we? No, it's good. All right. Thank you. My friend Continued success. Tell Nigel, Robin, uh, Casey, I said, hello. You got it, brother, man. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you as well. That's our friend, Jason Allen hammer. You can see 93.1 one FMW. I B C. it's a great show i listen even now i'm in florida i was driving the other day i pulled it up because they're funny they're fun they're irreverent they're smart and what else do you want ladies and gentlemen you want that and i love when hammer time comes on it just warms my heart all right i got some awards to give out we got the damn awards coming up here stud of the week You know who my stud of the week is. I should have asked Hammer about him. Vivek Ramaswamy telling Van Jones, just F off. Let's hear from our man, Vivek.
2: So I say that on that last debate stage to a bunch of Republicans that are shaking in their boots. These are the things you're not supposed to say in the Republican Party even today. And then you get the mainstream media. You got this character Van Jones on CNN afterwards saying... This is the rise of an American demagogue who's going to live 50 years longer than Trump. This is dangerous. I am shaking. That's what he says. <laughs> Just shut <the> f- up.
0: <laughs> Just shut up. F- That's the only thing you need to say. You don't need to explain yourself. You don't need to say, well, I'm not a demagogue. Or, you know, no, 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 no. What you need to simply say with the angst that he said it in his voice is, hey, look, how about you just shut the f- up? That's it. No more, no less. Never complain, never explain, particularly when you are battling idiots. And Van Jones is just an idiot. Good for him. Uh, Speaking of idiots, the moron of the week. I I don't even know what to tell you about this. This is so incredibly sad. We documented it earlier in the show. Chase Comancho is a basketball player, 27-year-old, played at Beverly Hills High School. So he probably has a little money, probably has a little something to him that gave him a real chance in this world. And he went to Arizona, which gives you a great opportunity, particularly as a basketball player. Well, this guy Comanche, he decides that he is going to do a little murdering. He and his 19-year-old girlfriend, uh, the 19-year-old has a beef with somebody over a Rolex watch that one or the others stole. It's too confusing for me, and I really don't care. Comanche and the girlfriend decided they're going to smoke this girl, right? All right. So the girl apparently is a sex worker. They pay her $1,000. She's going to have some weird sex with her. They tie her hands behind her back. Next thing you know, with a zip tie, Comanche starts choking her with a HDMI cord, kills her. These two idiots decide we're going to throw this woman in a ditch, cover her with rocks. Who would suspect? Well, now everybody's going to jail. Comanche is going to be charged or is charged with first-degree murder, com- conspiracy to commit murder, and the young lady is as well. The level of stoop, the lawlessness, the dumb is just amazing. And don't give me that this guy was just trying to get bread for his family like AOC says that people looting all of our stores are. not. ain't it. These people are degenerates. They're awful. They're lawless. They think they're something they're not. And they are, he is the moron of the week. He wanted a little kinky sex, idiots. Inspiring story of the week. You know, we talk a lot about college athletes and the arrogance, guys pulling up in Lamborghinis. Way back in the day, Jimmy Clawson had his announcement. He was the number one quarterback in the country, and he announced he was going to Notre Dame. College Football Hall of Fame was guess where? South Bend. Where did Jimmy Clawson make this epic announcement? You got it the Hall of Fame in South Bend, Indiana, as he announced he was going to Notre Dame. Well, fast forward, Jimmy Claus had a nice career, was a good player. It wasn't certainly great. But anyway, that was deemed as insane. Now you got guys pulling up in Lamborghinis. Now you got little high school kids wearing shades and hats on national TV show. Well, there is hope. Colin Simmons is our hope. Colin Simmons is signing at Texas. He's a terrific, terrific football player. Brought a Bible. Brought a Bible with him to his signing and asked, onto the field, excuse me, brought a Bible with him onto the field after winning the state title and said, ain't nobody but God. See, probably the majority of kids playing, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, whatever, are great dudes. I know this, that they are, but man, oh man, there's some clowns out there. Be interesting to see. By the end of the year, I'd gotten tired of Deion Sanders and his kids. There is a kid right there. Good for him, man. Good for Colin. But I'd gotten tired of Deion Sanders and his son and the Louis and the, And maybe I'm just an old white guy. And maybe that's racist. I don't know. There was a point during the season where if you got tired of Deion Sanders, you were racist. Just shut up with that. I like a little humble. I do. I like arrogant, and I like flashy, but you got to win. When you start losing and you're that, then you're just a brat. But good for Colin Simmons. We like Colin Simmons. We're going to be rooting for Colin Simmons. Strangest story of the week, we just covered with Hammer. You know, I've been alive for a lot of years, and I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like I paid real attention to different elections. I always voted. I always thought it was important to vote. I remember my first vote at Harrison junior high school and the reason i was so excited was i did it in the morning i got to be late for school and missed part of a first period that i didn't like anyone but i've never seen anything like this colorado four of their supreme court justices decided guess what we're going to make donald trump ineligible for the ballot because of the charges of insurrection they said he basically what well, he is an insurrectionist and cannot be allowed to run for president that's interesting it's going to according to hammer and others people that certainly know more about it than i It's going to be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. Trump should be on the ballot. And right now, yesterday, Trump's approval numbers or his polling numbers jumped up by 5%. I personally don't understand how you can be facing 91 charges and think you're going to be president. But, hey, I'll vote for you because I'm certainly not going to vote for this slop that we currently have going on right now. And I don't think you should either. But I would never, ever tell anybody, anybody how to vote. College basketball. This is the worst week. Major college basketball. If we could show, if we have that, Dylan, if we could show the comparison that we showed earlier in the show, the worst week is major college basketball. You know, we have said, I have said, a lot of coaches have said that college basketball being a one-month sport that month is March. I guess first week of April counts too, but that's March madness is what people think college basketball is. And you look at the numbers from this week and good for North Carolina and Kentucky 23, basically 24 million, 2.4 million viewers. But look at what came out after UCLA Boise state. The LA bowl had 22 million, 384 viewers, Miami of Ohio app state, almost 2 million viewers. And then, Man, oh, man, Howard and Florida A&M, over 1.5 million viewers. Indiana and Kansas, two of the real blue bloods. Indiana, certainly the Indiana has struggled, but Indiana's gym, Assembly Hall, shows up really well on TV, and it was on CBS. Kansas, obviously, coming off a national championship two years ago, is one of the blue bloods, one of the most relevant basketball schools. In fact, you can make the argument that in pure basketball interest, you can add UConn and you can add, uh, Kentucky to Kansas and Indiana. And you might have the four biggest schools with the most basketball interest, the basketball to football ratio. And look at that. Look at that beat by Florida. Now UCLA, Ohio state did a lot less than Indiana and Kansas. That's dangerous. I, I've been saying this forever, and I will continue to say it, and I won't stop saying it. Basketball, college basketball needs an off season. Let me tell you something. I was te- I, I was going to mention this to Danny Canal, but you, know, you talk about free agency, you talk about signing day, which is what a lot of folks across the country are talking about. Football signing day was yesterday. One time I was going to ESPN. They said, hey, we want you to host Mike and Mike. It's a really big day, and it was the middle of the summer. I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, it's the start of NBA free agency. And I asked the guy, the, the, the executive producer, I said, is this just a big day because ESPN has uh the NBA? He goes, no, 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 no. Certainly that's you know what we do, but from a rating standpoint, from an attention standpoint, this is the biggest day of the summer for the radios. It was, it was enormous like just sitting there and for three hours on Mike and Mike, what was it from like six to nine and just talking about NBA free agency. And it's a lot like what's going on now. And college football is making signing day. College football is making the bidding war, the free agency period into something that is must see TV. You know, skip Bayless isn't putting some kid on there for S's and G's he's putting a kid on there because he thinks it's going to boost ratings because college football, not necessarily only Deion Sanders and not necessarily only Colorado, But he, they, the producers want to win and they think having kids on there announcing decisions or not announcing decisions creates drama and creates interest. It's fascinating. I'm not mad at it. I mean, old guy like me supposed to be, but Hey, look, I would be mad at it. I would absolutely be mad at it. If I was coaching, I'd hate it, but I'm not, you know, I get to do, I get to count the days down until we get to Alabama. Michigan. I get to count the days down until we get to Washington and Texas. I don't care who's paying who. Well, I care. I don't care. There was this thing the other day. I do not care that Joe Purdy or whatever his name is, Purdy, is making $800,000 while Arch Manning, who hasn't played a meaningful down at Texas, is making 3.2. Don't care. Not my problem. It's fascinating. Hey, uh, you got to keep it right here. We have a new favorite college basketball coach, Camilla heals Up Harris gives us a word salad and don't forget starting on January 3rd you, me, together Outkick.com all you got to do is click the watch button you go to Outkick.com there you are, click the watch and you will see us very simple, there it is, boom, watch and you'll get all of us beautiful people whether it is Clay, whether it is Tommy, you see Kelly in Vegas there You see the lovely, the uber-talented Charlie Arnold, and, of course, me. You get all of us right there. It's your one-stop shop for all things OutKick. Of course, there will be videos posted to our OutKick channel, which we would love for you to continue. But, hey, look, the shackles are off. We can say whatever we want. We don't have to worry about strikes and all that other nonsense. There you go. There we are. We are going to OutKick. And don't forget, get yourself some gear. I got my OutKick gear. And when you give me gear, I will wear the gear. Look like a big old walrus right there. OutKick.com. Well, wait a second. Shop.OutKick.com. I had that polo on yesterday. It is glorious. I had my uh, 1776. My wife loves the most likely to yell at a ref. paddle. She would prefer it be an umpire. Anyway, keep it right here. When we come back, I got a new favorite basketball coach. And his name is not Mike Woodson. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I like coaches that are not afraid. I'm not some old meathead coach that thinks that you should be rate, yell, scream, lose your mind on players. I'm not that guy. But I am the guy that thinks that players should be held accountable. I am the guy that thinks if you don't play well, somebody else should be given a chance. I learned that from my college coach the great Bob Knight. I did. A lot of college coaches don't do that. John Wooden famously had eight guys that he basically worked with down on this end of the court and everybody else was down there. And you could never really work yourself into the first eight if you weren't there by the end of fall practice. It's not great. I didn't like that. I do like Micah Shrewsbury, though. I've always liked Micah Shrewsbury. Micah Shrewsbury is a really good dude. He has worked his way up from Division Three. He got on Brad Stevens' his staff. Next thing you know, he's with the Celtics. He's with Purdue. He's got a great pedigree. Did a nice job at Penn State. Took that and went to Notre Dame, where he's struggling. Where he got beat by the Citadel. The Citadel. Now, Ed Conroy is a good coach at the Citadel, but the Citadel shouldn't beat Notre Dame by 20 at Notre Dame. They did. Micah Shrewsbury, unhappy. Michael Shrewsbury had this to say.
1: I apologize to anybody that paid money to come watch that Watch that effort from that team. The, the one thing is they at least got to watch one team play hard. I thought Citadel played connected. I thought they played hard. I thought they played with a purpose. And I thought our team was poor in that area. That starts with me. Number one, it starts with me. Um, and I got to find a way to get these guys ready to go. This game was over before we even got here. We have no energy to shoot around. We didn't have any energy at practice. That's who this team has been. Like, but you also, you have an opportunity, right? You, you try and learn from whatever the last game was. We're building a culture and that ain't it. That is not the culture we're trying to build. So a message needs to be sent to some of these guys that like, if you don't play hard, then you can sit and rot over there on the bench and I'll I'll find a way. I'll go and talk to the people in compliance, I will help you transfer because this culture is getting built the right way, and if you ain't a part of it, you're out, and I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: what you need to do your first year. You can always lighten up, but you can't toughen up, and Micah Shrewsbury is not afraid to say. Now, one of the problems Micah has, I believe, is that he's got his son on the team that is never an easy thing, right? Because now, you know, his son is in a tough position because officially the coach has called the team out publicly. You know, it's one thing to call a team out privately, but and I love that Micah did this because you must do this. You must, in your first year, set a standard of this is what we are doing, period. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. If you do not play to that level, you will not play. You will rot on the bench until maybe, just maybe, I give you a second chance. Now, that's hard to do 10 years in if you didn't do it at the beginning. And frankly, I love the fact that Micah Shrewsbury did that. I do. I, I think it's fantastic. And we I I've always liked Micah. I thought he was great but I've always respected coaches that aren't not afraid. Now, maybe in your first year, you can get away with it, and you better because Notre Dame needs to stand by Micah Shrewsbury in his words. Now, they're not going to stand by a lot of 20-point losses to the Citadel year three, year four. Only Indiana people get excited about that. But the fact of the matter is, Micah Shrewsbury is my favorite. Paul Seawalt, Seawalt, Seawalt whatever, is the closer For the Arizona Diamondbacks, he is not happy. He says himself and many Major League Baseball fans are bothered by the Oakland A's decision to move the franchise to Las Vegas. Now, he says it's the city and a market where no one is interested in baseball. Let's hear from the closer.
2: That was that was like the most eye opening mistake in my opinion. He's like, well, the A's brand is strong, and I said, well, of course the A's brand is strong. That's why you should be staying in Oakland. Like, but don't get me started on that. Exactly, no one wants the Las Vegas A's, and no, like, I don't know his spending plan, his spending plans, but they're probably not going to spend a bunch of money and bring in these guys. So you're just going to see guys that you see over at the Aviator Stadium right here. So you know, why would I pay all this money to go to a major league game when I'm essentially seeing the same product I saw at the Aviator Stadium?
0: Um, The problem is that the Oakland A's aren't an interesting team. They're not a brand. Even in their own city, they're not a brand. They're just not. I wish they were. Oakland A's in my world, going back, were great. Joe Rudy, Vita Blue. They had Sal Bando, Burt Campaneras, Dick Green. They had great players all over. Gene Tennis. I remember watching, listening, listening in a nobody's in the building, Comiskey Park, and I heard thump, thump, by the, by the blue was warming up. Oakland A's and whether it was the Reds, so- whoever, the Reds, excuse me, great baseball, but now Vegas is the place. And people can complain about moving to Vegas, but you know what's happening? Vegas is still the place. I think I said this before. Five conference tournaments where Vegas. Vegas was taboo. Oh, my God, we can't have professional sports teams there. Oh, my God, we cannot, absolutely cannot have college basketball there. Jerry Tarkanian is ruining the sport because look at who's on the front row. There are gamblers. Richie the Fixer Perry was in a hot tub with a bunch of players of UNLV. This is no good. Then you know what happened? They started going to Vegas. You know what happened? People showed up. You know what happened? People liked going to Vegas. They liked having something to do. They liked rooting on their team and then going to the casino. They didn't have to go watch the Blue Man Group or a Michael Jackson impersonator. They can go watch their team in Vegas? Are you kidding me? Talk about a blast destination. So I would argue that The Oakland A's are making the absolute right move. Look, I don't know the finances on it, but I know this. When you've got a stadium as bad as the Coliseum was, when you've got literally varmints coming through the press box and you got a 1,000 people at a game, you just don't care. It's time to move. The brand is the brand, whatever you think the brand is. But Charlie Finley ain't walking through that door with orange baseballs or yellow baseballs. It's over. It's done. The city under a Democrat has deteriorated to the point of awfulness. It's gone. See you later. Move along. And they have. Speaking of move along, don't you just wish that Kamala Harris would just move along? We call her heels up for her propensity, allegedly, of having the sex. Look, we don't know what she did to get her job. We have no idea, but we know that when she speaks, it is literally gibberish, childish, whatever words you would like. But I'll tell you this. Like every good person that is ridiculous, she certainly gets a kick out of her own stuff. Nobody laughs with Camilla more than Camilla. And Heels Up gave us a little bit of word salad the other day. Here she is being mocked, this time saying during a TV interview that this is the most election of our time. Let's hear from Heels Up.
3: You know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is... This one is, we are literally
0: talking about people who are attempting to divide our country in the most crude, frankly, and profound way. We are talking about those who are intent and purposeful to, to attack. She's talking about herself. I mean, has there ever been a moment with this administration where they have done anything but try to divide? Everything that comes up is always MAGA this, MAGA that. You're bad. You're bad. You're this. You're that. It's always awful. I've never seen anything like it. This is a group that ran on uniting. This is a group that ran on decency back in the White House. Well, we got strippers, transgendered naked people, cocaine in the White House. I mean, what are we doing? We got some little gay guy getting, uh, you know, having a little butt play in a freaking conference room where things happen that are historical. And this little jackass decides that he's going to go get it on with his little gay lover and film it. I mean, what are we doing in the white house? Why are we listening to these people? It's the most election of our time. All right. Really? I thought it was the most football of our time. Really? I thought it was the most hockey of our time. The woman is a stone idiot. And if that makes me a bad guy, then that makes me a bad guy. I right, This is something I don't understand, and I need your input on this. I'm going to go to the YouTube chat right now. So Brian Kelly yesterday had to testify, the LSU coach had to testify as a witness in a sexual harassment lawsuit by a filed employee on the LSU on the eve of national signing day. What, what Brian Kelly wasn't there when the woman was employed. Wasn't there. Like, wasn't there. Like, Brian Kelly, of course, the lady is a lady, of course. Uh, a jury dismissed the lawsuit uh, of retaliating against an athletic administrator for reporting alleged inappropriate sexual behavior by a head football coach that coach was les miles six day of testimony five women three girl three five women three men rejected the claims and they said get the hell out of here they filed a lawsuit sharon lewis filed a federal lawsuit saying she was fired the next year apparently uh what's his face les miles got a little grabby he denied the allegations they hired a law firm of course, this lady, she was a former heptathlete, 21 years working with the football program. Nick Saban hired her. She climbed the ladder. She alleged that the board of trustees allowed athletics department officials to retaliate against her for reporting alleged violations, blah, 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 blah. She wanted $6.3 in compensatory damages, another $300 million for emotional damages. Here, attorney reiterate she used to start the trial telling jurors she lsu fostered a culture of fear retaliation of against and violence that victimized women in the athletic department lsu said no she was not preyed upon not subject to higher workplace environment they told the juries that the statutory period for any of the claims ended in the mid 2020 and these were all baseless blah 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 but somehow some way brian kelly had to testify and he's like hey I don't know what this is. The hell do I know? I don't know. But you know what? There you go. Hey, uh, Sauce Gardner, who hasn't played where the damn nobody on the Jets has, but he's defending the team's coaches. Old Saucy, who is busy making commercials and getting beat on the outside, says that the coaches of the Jets are doing their job. I don't think. We are where we are right now because of coaching. I'm a young player. could be easy for me to say, yeah, it's all in the coaches. Okay, Sauce, I respect you. But when I really thought about everything, it's been like, bro, we've been unfortunate, injuries, penalties, so many things that could have been avoided. It is what it is. Good for you, Saucy. Now stop doing commercials, become Darrell Revis, get in the Hall of Fame, and stop. Now can you do both? Sure, but Revis didn't. Learn from the greats. That's what I always say. Learn from the greats. And if you learn from the greats, you'll learn that Tom Brady, yeah, he did some stuff, but not until he won some Super Bowls. Peyton Manning was always doing stuff, but Peyton Manning is the biggest whore in media. Peyton Manning, as we used to say about Bob Knight, would endorse a grapefruit, and he's never even had a grapefruit. And we ain't mad about it. We ain't mad about it even a little bit. Hey, this is kind of cool. Like, if you're going to be on the subway, then you've probably saved enough money to eat lobster. Right? I mean, I'm on the subway. I don't have a car, which means I don't have 50 bucks a day in parking. I don't have $7 a day in New York city in gas. You know what I can do? I can put on my little bib and go ahead and eat some lobster. Let's show you. Guy just sitting there, just eating a lobster. I mean, because, well, let's be honest. We have no public decency. We have no common decency. We don't, the, the chair where somebody's ass has been is now a table. And probably, well, most people probably just leave the lobster there. Not me. I'm a clean freak. I am. But good for this guy. Hey, look, I'm taking the subway. I got no gas. I got no parking. I'm eating lobster. I'm down with that but clean up, do yourself a favor, do all of us a favor, clean up, bring a little Windex, spray it down. Windex works for everything. Look, it's not just the Greek. Serbians think Windex works on everything too. Stop Good for him. Uh, Brittany Mahomes is one of our least favorite people. Brittany Mahomes is somebody that when she speaks, it's like I used to tell my kids when their mother spoke. What do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. Brittany, it's Brittany, bitch. She is now friends with Taylor Swift and her husband is a really good football player. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what that means. That means we've got to listen to Brittany Mahomes for the next couple of years and then she'll go away and we won't have to listen, but Brittany is not happy. Brittany's sad because well, let's hear from Brittany. Recently there have been a lot more rude ass people on here more than normal. I'm not sure where y'all came from, but you should probably go back to where you came from, please. Well, why? When somebody says you should probably go back, my answer or my question is always, why should that? Because you're a little doing nothing ass. You're living off a husband and some fake fame. Little ass is sad because somebody's mean to you. Huh? You should. Why? What's the alternative? Patrick's going to stop talking about himself. I watched one episode of that quarterback show, and all I heard was Patrick Mahomes talking about himself. He reminded me of me, and I didn't like it. Well, I, 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 I. I mean, too many eyes. So let's go with we. Now, what happens? You should probably go back. I always get fascinated by that. You know, one of the things that fascinates me is this. It always fascinates me when people say, well, that guy gets it. Patrick Mahomes really gets it. That's implying that the person saying that Patrick Mahomes gets it has an understanding at a level that only Patrick Mahomes can grasp. You know, they always say that. I remember Mike Woodson came to Indiana. Woodson gets it. gets what some fat ass crumb stained fan understanding of Indiana basketball or it always fascinates me and that is when uh, also when somebody says you probably should maybe I'm too literal maybe I think of too literal but I gotta tell you Brittany Mahomes you're on my last nerve girlfriend gotta put it up a little higher you're on my last nerve because your husband can sling the caca and is a great player, should not mean we have to listen to you. It just shouldn't. And if that's misogynist, then fine. But we should not. I always said this. I don't want to hear from girlfriends. As a coach, I don't want to hear from wives. I remember DJ White's girlfriend was all upset when I told him. I go, look, you're not going to be with that girl anyway. Why are you Bob? Oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. Now, nah, what can I do? All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Woke a dope, me baby. There she is. God, is she pretty? God, are they good looking? Introducing the Air Bidens. They're big on the. They're big on the toes. A little spread out. They come in an e e e e e length. Tell you what, they also come with. They also come with makeup and a little red nose and a glorious wig that you will feel good about they are air biden's i used to have i used to have what we call ground dockages i was selling them for a minute and they made a little money on them they were ground dockages jump lower run slower when air jordans first came out jordan ones came out and they were all the rage i'm like hey buy your ground dockages they're cloud hoppers we used to call them but good for joe biden You see the trademark? I love the trademark right there, the TM. It says, hey, look, this is official. Yeah, this is what we're all about. We're trademarking these bad boys. That's it. Let's trademark them. Next! Meanwhile, in Boston, no Christmas. Oh, white folk, no Christmas party. Christmas party, brown, black only. Light brown, deeper, black. Only, you know, that whole thing with that mayor is so ridiculous. And of course, she gets protection because she's Asian. But what would be your thought? Hey, look, I'm only going to have white people at this thing. Now, she thought, like most, is like I equate things to other things. And most people don't understand when I make these equivalencies. But you get, you're a young girl, you're the mayor of a major city, you're uber successful. So you think you can do whatever you want. It's like that Clarissa Thompson of Fox saying, well, you know, I make stuff up on the sidelines. She thinks she's one of the cool kids. You can say whatever you want. No one's going to call you on it until they do. And then you start backtracking. But at least the woman in Boston didn't even backtrack. She's like, yeah, I'm Asian. You can't do nothing to me. All right, a mainstream media dude in America wants to take me on because you'll be called all kind of stuff. It's probably like Asian Pride Month or something, too. So she can do whatever she wants. It's just funny. No white people in Boston. We don't like white people. Next. Oh, wow. When you're trying to understand how your son spent $872,172 on hookers and adult entertainment in four years. And you know how much he spent for the stripper that he knocked up and the daughter? Zip. $872,172 on hookers and adult entertainment, including webcams, where some po- poor woman puts a camera in her bedroom takes her clothes off, and you sit there with a bottle of Juergens, some Kleenex, and some wet wipes, and next thing you know, that's an afternoon. What a freaking world. And here's the question that I have, and no one's been able to answer this for me. What's Hunter Biden's job? Simple question. What does Hunter Biden do for a living? Now, the easy answer is what you're going to say. And that's, well, he's a criminal, he's a crook, he shills for his dad. But that's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the answer, what is Hunter Biden's job? What does Hunter Biden do for a living? Is there anything that he actually does for a living? I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. Like, I've never seen where he is like, I don't know. Uh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm what I'm that I've never seen it. And I don't understand it. Hmm. A lot of discussion on the YouTube chat, whether or not Camilla Harris is good looking. I think she is. I do. I think she's a pretty woman, but she is also the woman that we've all had just like women have had it with a guy that when you go, Hey, look, um, you just aren't as pretty once you opened your mouth and same thing with guys. I mean, guys could be good looking, but once they start talking, you're like, Oh man, this guy's an idiot. I always tell the story of C 33. She lived across Walnut Knolls right across the courtyard. When she came out of a room, we looked, I went to the bus stop because she was at the bus stop. I started dating her. It didn't take me long to realize, I. She was really smart, really nice, but it wasn't for me. And it wasn't a her problem, it was a me problem. Not everybody has to mesh. But it's a fact. People get prettier, uglier, whatever, based on their personality and Camilla Harris, whether you think she's pretty or not, it just ain't happening. Dan I agree with Van Pastureman. man. When she talks, she isn't attractive. Jim Eagle said golf ball through a garden hose. Well, that makes her more attractive. It takes all of us. Now we're getting a little gross and I'm not mad about it. Van Pastor, man. But when VP Harris talks, she is less good looking. And anybody thinks that's misogynist is nuts because I've had these conversations with my daughter, my wife, my everybody. And the fact of the matter is you're damn right. C 33, baby. C-33. Hey, Dan, does IU get it done tonight versus North Alabama? Come on, people. Yes, yes, yes. Last, last, last thing. As we enjoy a holiday season, all right, do yourself a favor. Go shopping today. I got an epic story about my son. Go shopping today. A couple years ago, we were down here in Florida new year's eve my son says hey i gotta take the car we all know what that meant van pastor man linda sd we all know sean what that meant he was going shopping except we all looked at each other like huh it's christmas eve it's dark out which means it could be anywhere from like five o'clock i think today's the shortest day of the year five o'clock you know till whatever five in the morning it's dark don't even know what time it is but let's say it's seven where could he possibly be going? You know what he did? The boy went to the 7-11. He's asking if they have this, if they have that to the point where the guy running the 7-11 on Christmas Eve looks at him, and it's a legendary line in our house and goes, "Uh, dude, do you know this is a 7-11?" Like I don't know if he was trying to buy shoes, I don't know if he's trying to buy jackets. So I end up from my son getting a back massager couple of T-shirts were bought, and we laugh about it to this day. So do yourself a favor. Take 10 minutes today out of your way and go shop. Get somebody you love something. So not for them. No. So that you don't have the anxiety of going to the 7-Eleven on Christmas Eve. It's the 21st. Yeah, you got plenty of days, but you know what? The 21st becomes quickly, the 23rd. You know what that becomes? The 25th, and you're sitting there with your uh uh-uh in your hand going, hey, what are we doing? Serious about this. I'm very serious. Dan, IU can't beat Northern Illinois. They put their pants on the same way we do. I don't know the line. I'm done Bet Indiana basketball has become Indiana football. You can't bet on it, but I'm gonna take Sacred Heart over Dartmouth and it starts at 11.30 and I got nothing to do other than play pickleball at 11.30. See you later. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Nick and Nick. Thank you, Katie and Haley. And of course, Beth the Booker, Danny Cannell was great. Hammer time was great. Tomorrow we got Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie fame. And I forget who my other guest is, but he's really good break down some college basketball for you as well have a great night or afternoon everybody see you